welcome to the Bar and Bar podcast of this cool episode right now. Uh, we've been drinking for the past probably 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Probably, 30 minutes. yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm here on Ken's house and Manu's house. Last time that I was here, we were drinking... What was the champagne that we were drinking? Some beautiful 2010 Piri Jouet Belle Epoque Rosé. Mm. Mm. Because I was thinking that was my farewell party. <laughs> what? Six months April. later? Yeah, six months yeah. Later. <laughs> yeah. It's been sticking around. It's been sticking around. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. I like it. We just got to get rid of you, can't we? <laughs> Still going on strong. Yes, it's going on. Speaking of um, champagne, Megan, my, my partner and I just got um, a bit of a residency granted, so we celebrated oh, yeah, that's last right. night. Oh, yeah. 2007 bottle of Cristal. Nice. Yeah. So good. It was that's beautiful. How was it? I've been saving it for a while. I got it as a tip a couple of years ago. Oh, you told me. Yeah. <laughs> Did you um, drink it in a beautiful wine glass? Uh, normal champagne glass. It was beautiful, though. It was beautiful. <laughs> the fridge all day. It was very good. Even if it wasn't just like a like a mop or something. Yeah, my no, it's because of the yeah, because of the celebration. Was vintage again? Two thousand seven. I didn't know Cristal did a vintage in two thousand seven. Yeah, but yeah they have a two thousand seven vintage. Mm-hmm. We've had two thousand and eight moon vintages. Yeah. Anyways, we're just doing drops. Two thousand six. So I'm here. You wanna start, Ken? Yeah, my name's uh. Ken Mayer, transplanted boy from Canada, here for three years, working as a on-premise account rep. Started off as a bartender in this city, you know, through networking and meeting friends. I've worked my way up to be a Pernod rep, working on my way from a dishwasher, a cook, a bartender, a bar wench, a bar manager, a wholesale rep, full circle now going up the ladder to an on-premise account rep for uh, Pernod Ricard Australia. How many lives have you lived, mate? <laughs> a lot, mate. How, how many did cats have? Nine, was it? <laughs> I definitely should have had alcohol poisoning nine times in my life, at least. And uh, each life I come back bigger, stronger, and better. Yeah. Um, I'm Sam. I'm currently the bar manager at Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Been bartending since since I could and was physically able. In terms of the rep side of work, I spent a year as the um, account manager and brand ambassador for Coralejo Tequila in um, New South Wales, and I'm currently peddling Metzcal under the alias Senor Sam, um, and sort of trying to teach people the nuances of different kinds of Metzcals, the different agaves, the different regions it's produced. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me. And I'm Manu, I'm uh, imported uh, from uh, the beautiful country of France. Uh, <laughs> Where I've been working for Pernod Ricard for um, two two years now, and I'm currently um, the brand ambassador for GH Moom Champagne in Australia, which is uh, not the worst position to have. <laughs> Get to share uh, some of the beautiful French wonders uh, uh, there, there are in the opposite there. of the world. <laughs> yeah. you know? Hopefully, we'll have the chance to taste some of it tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, sounds all right. How do you see the champagne scene here in Sydney? Like it's, big, it's, like it's pretty interesting arriving from um, from France to Australia. See how people are knowledgeable about champagne, yeah. uh, especially. Well, do you reckon they know as much as they would in France, or do you reckon the knowledge is? I, re- I reckon uh, sometimes they would know more than French people. Yeah, right. Here, uh, some people really go crazy for champagne, and they have like their brands, and they're completely into it. 
in France, a lot of people don't really know much about champagne. They just drink it out of tradition. Yeah. But mm. here, people, they're like, oh, I drink only Moom or, oh, I drink only this brand or this brand. I suppose that you've got like a bit more open access to it a little bit over there, hey, whereas here where it's, it's a bit more of a premium, so it's kind of a statement. It's like driving a Mercedes. Like you have your car that you drive. That's, that's the funny thing. Like in Australia, everyone drinks champagne once in a while, even yeah, if it's yeah. for celebrating something not too important yeah. in France it's mainly a family thing or oh, when your well, friend has a birthday know. I've been to your house a couple of times and it seems like you guys are always drinking champagne <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, well, that's, that's it's, all bullshit here. <laughs> it's a very special house <laughs> <laughs> this is the house that champagne built my brother yeah, 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 <laughs> literally we both work for Pernod down. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 give me a minute I'll just open the champagne fountain and I'll be back hey. <laughs> oh, man. we literally live in a house Built by Champagne, Pernod Ricard. We both work for them. We both pay the bills here. Mm. This is a house built of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and 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 to to answer your question, it's it's a great thing to see how Australians are used to enjoying the good stuff. Yeah. And I'm not talking about Champagne in general, and I'm sure you guys will uh, agree with that. Is mm. the spirits industry and the wine industry? has been focused so much towards having like more craft or more like kind of niche products whereas some other countries are still focused on like the main brands and like what they can uh, yeah. where they feel more safe whereas like it's the Sydney Sydney gin scene is sort of paramount to that like there's just so many little gin distilleries popping up everywhere and they're all focusing on their own little botanicals that they're mm. doing like for champagne like people yeah. like when they have started with Moscato when they were young like when they grew up they moved to like good champagnes and uh, <laughs> and that's so, where gotta, I come in with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very sweet yeah, but jelly beans in a glass I think that's, that's that's a good point yeah uh, people appreciate more things People are diehard by their brands. Well, I mean, you say you say with mezcal up to work at Chula, like surely, like you see people wanting to try like the more premium, the more premium yeah. stuff, yeah. And there's also people that they just want to drink mezcal, no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah. like champagne, no matter what champagne. Is. Yeah, as long as it's champagne, they're fine. Yeah, true, true. It's, it's funny, like when you look at like a champagne menu and you're like, oh, I got these champagnes, and you look them up, you're like, where are these from? I'm like, <laughs> what? Are you sure this is? From champagne, not sparkling, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like it is sparkling often. It's not actually, and that's a misconception. People think sparkling or bubbles is champagne, but not a lot of people know champagne is so specific. I mean, in Sydney, actually, I think a lot more people know what champagne is as opposed to other places. But like when I was working in the states, man, it's like nobody, like everybody, is referring to all sparkling as champagne. I know it's such like a massive weight factor to. Like correct people on that, but in Sydney, when people ask for champagne, generally means they want champagne. Like when I was working at Faye Day, and we had a sparkling by the glass and a champagne by the glass. In Kissy Saint Day, we have four fucking champagnes by the glass, you know. Yeah. And PJ he, and Mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're Our a brand. good man, Sam. Yeah. But when people request a champagne, they mean they want a champagne, not a prosecco. Is in my experience, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Particularly people, people who purchase champagne, they know what they're purchasing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Which is interesting because, like, you go to places like Barangaroo, and I see the the. Um, the back end of the data and Prosecco sells with a lot of the corporates yeah, in Brangaroo yeah, way like three times as much as champagne. And it's interesting, but it's, it's, price, pr it's point price point. Well. Yeah. That's right. They want a sparkling. Yeah. yeah. They're too scared to get on it. They'll say, I'll take a glass of Prosecco. 
Yeah. They don't even like ask what brand. It's the same with champagne. It's that it's almost like Kleenex. Kleenex is a brand, not an actual tissue paper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Band-Aid. Like, Band-Aid. Do you have any Kleenex? Do you have any band? Like it's a brand. Yeah. So when people are kind of get a champagne, can I get a prosecco? Like, well, we have this and this. So like, oh. I'm not sure I like comparing champagne to Kleenex, but uh, we can. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that, like, when you come here, I'm like, uh, what champagne do you have? And it's like, it's interesting to see. It, here, I see, as an on-prem rep, obviously, Moet Henny, Ruinart, mm. Dom, Moet. Yeah. Then you see PJ and Mum. He's like the really two big players I see in the game for on-premise anyways. You know? Yeah, those are like the big yeah. volume producers anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, they're the biggest. Gosse is around. Gosse is around, but even like the volume on it. Like I got Lotus that signed up a month ago and they're going through four cases or five cases a week of PJ versus one case a week of Gosse. Not to say it's bad and the same with Tattinger. But it's just like, I don't really that know. Tattinger is much smaller though. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a great it's a great champagne. Oh no, Tetra is way bigger than. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, it's a. I just assume because it's a smaller name. I just assume it's a No, it's house. massive. Tetra is huge. No way. They like so basically, Moët uh, Chandon and Vertico are the biggest. Then there's Moon. Uh, tequila, tequila break. Tequila. And yeah. then there's <laughs> oh, tequila. Salute. There's some blood orange in that tequila. It might taste good. How big is Tattinger though? So, like Moët et Chandon, they make around 32 million balls a year. Well, yeah. Moët et Chandon's Reims, Veuve, Epernay. Right? Moët et Chandon is Epernay. Epernay. Uh, Veuve, which is in Reims, makes like 25 million. Then there's yeah. Moum, 8 million. And yeah. Tétanger makes oh, around oh, 5 million balls. So they're still like a massive player. It's still more than PJ. Oh. Yeah, it's more than yeah. PJ. PJ is like niche. Kind Three, of, four, five. It's still a big house, but it's like... Yeah. Moet Chandon, or yeah, they produce what forty-five million bottles a year. Nah, less, but still like like thirty-two yeah. something, like ten percent, including Dom Perignon, which is yeah. around seven million bottles a year. So, but they People, can account yeah. for like ten percent of the actual champagne production, like ten percent at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so the main player in terms of owning the champagne world is LVMH, the luxury group, and they have. Uh, Moet Chandon, Veuve Clicquot, Krug, Ruinard, uh, Mercier. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're they're like wait, so 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 all those houses are owned by someone, but then different brands own. Yeah, so the different brands they do everything separately. But uh, the houses are owned. But they by all belong to the brand. same group, the same way Perry Jouet and Moon belong to Pernod Ricard. But oh. uh, they have their own vineyards, their their own wineries, and everything. It's all, it's all run separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, uh, you would never see a bottle of uh, Perry Jouet in Moon cellar. That, that would never happen. Yeah, right. Because uh, the they're super the specific same. about keeping the spirit of the house. Yeah. And even yeah. when you talk to the people working there, they're like, "No, no, I don't work for Perry Jouet. I work for Moon." <laughs> they help each other out sometimes, of course, but it's uh, like keeping it like to keep the DNA of the house clean. So uh, yeah, so the, the, like Super interesting, though. LVMH having all these brands, they they account for more than thirty percent of the champagne world. So yeah, right. It's like at the same time, like they're the big machine crushing everything on their way, but at the mm-hmm. same time, they're also dragging the champagne world up, like yeah, with, uh, awareness and everything. So well, it's the same, same sort of thing with tequila as well. You've got the bigger brands who you know do 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 have automatic sort of, you know, use autoclaves and, um, you know, use sulfuric acid to wash their agaves and that sort of stuff. Oh, diffuser, yeah. I'm sure Patron has, like, helped tequila in a massive way. Well, no, no, but but Patron's actually kind of an exception to the rule. Yeah, they've got a massive marketing budget, but they actually don't use diffusers, and they actually do have, like, quite good habits. They filter their tequila, which I don't love. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. they're strips of flavour. But in terms of their practices, they're actually pretty cool. Like, because their whole big thing is that as they grew and they sold more and more tequila and they needed to up the amount they're making, instead of getting column seals in, they just built a duplicate distillery. But Patron uses... Use a diffuser, right? <clears throat> I don't think they do. No, Fortaleza just... uses a diffuser. No, they don't. Uh-huh. I thought that... Fortaleza is a diffuser. I, no, I've been to that distillery. I promise they don't really? use a diffuser. Really? Yeah, I thought so too, but then I would hear someone say, no, they are diffusing. Like, I really? have been to that distillery. No, you The company diffuser is this one. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> are we, we going to name and shame? Or? No. <laughs> I will. Brown Foreman. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say what. Uh, that, that burns. <laughs> I'm just wondering, how did Patron like get into the pop world? Okay, so so Patron. Like, do they pay for it? So, or? so Patron was originally um, produced at Arete. Seattle Legos. My mistake, disregard that. Patron was originally made at the Seattle Legos distillery, so it was licensed out. And so a lot of tequilas do that because there are, there are thousands of tequila brands, but only a couple of hundred distilleries. So a lot of distilleries mm. make tequila on contract for other brands. Uh, Patron was one of those guys, um, so they were getting their juice made by the Leguas, and then eventually they just pumped a fuckload of money into their marketing budget, um, became really, really big in the States, and it was a really key market at the time. Yeah. It was yeah. a combination of really smart marketing team, especially really in good timing. Packaging. Exactly, especially in California, really good marketing, really good timing, great bottle, sort of looks really Mexican. Yeah, it, ham- it looks hand-blown. It looks exactly. beautiful. It looks yeah. A, yeah. I love so it. they have just a, like, but I've never worked with Patron or anything like that. Don't think I have. <laughs> Which is interesting. But, yeah. I, but, but they just, right place, right time, blew up, got enough money, opened their own distillery and just sort of uh, rode their wave. And to, to say they're the top selling premium tequila brand. I think they knew how to... They knew how to market themselves. They, like they, at they, the end of the day, that's what it is. It's not the best tequila in the world. I'm not uh-huh. saying that by any means. I, I think it's quite bland so it's a, in terms of tequila. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad, but I think it lacks a lot in flavor. Altos is just amazing. <laughs> I don't work for a tequila brand, so I can say what I want. <laughs> no, like I love you might one day. I, you better be careful. I love Petron. I think they've done a lot of really, really, really cool things for the industry. Yeah. But um, uh, like I'm not saying it's the best tequila. I'm saying it's a good tequila. It's not the best, but I think they've done amazing things for the category. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of, as a noob a few years ago, I kind of saw Patron as like the main brand that was taking yeah, the, that yeah. was taking the product tequila up and bringing like it to the world. Whereas ten years ago, no one really knew tequila apart from gangster movies when there were yeah. gangs of uh, yeah. Mexicans. And, and now today, like everyone drinks cantina. tequila. It's super trendy in cocktails. Yeah. And it's a delicious spirit. So just just to bring back to what you were saying about champagne, how like yeah, they've got automatic conveyor belts that are crushing the grapes and stuff. But it is bringing up the champagne as a category. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just sort of relating that into something that I know what to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Like, it's all about like marketing at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. You know, like Patron has put so much good money into marketing, mm-hmm. like, especially in North America, being in North America. Like, yeah. You honestly, it's, it's the same well, as they no way. They I want tequila with Patron. They it's that synonymous, you know? Give me yeah. tequila. 1942, if someone sees it, they'll just order the bottle. 1940, I'll take that bottle. Well, it's it's a with our bottle service in clubs. Yeah. Like, that's what Don Julio, like, I don't know if that's what they intended it to be for, but now, like, 1942 is pretty much just, like, it is the bottle service to kill. <laughs> but you're interested, you think about it, we'll talk about what you're like bar yourself, It's a tall it. bottle. Yeah. It sticks up on a bottle service table. If you have everything else on the table, what sticks up? The 1942 bottle. Yo, true. Right? It sticks up over the crowd, over your mix, over everything. And else. it's not like it's like a one liter bottle. It's no, it's 700. No, no, it's, it's, it's real skinny. It's a, it's a pencil dick of a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting, and then you look back at that, and like, I don't know, does Mexico, with guys who produce 
tequila, are they part of the government? Because uh, Manu works it, technically for the government of France. He doesn't work in Australia. controlled by the CRT, which is like the tequila regulatory commission. He's a government employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, paid by Pernod Ricard. I'm paid by Pernod Ricard, but since I'm a special program, like I go through a French governmental institution that then pays uh, me. So, so champagne's I'm, part I'm of employed the by Pernod Ricard, technically. Uh, so, so tequila, the appellation of tequila is controlled by the by CRT is part of the government, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's controlled by the CRT, but the CRT don't have a hand in producing it. The CRT have a hand in double checking procedures that are in place, making yeah. sure quality. Ensure procedures are kept in place. So, like, like make when, sure that you hold the yeah. aging, the yeah, the, no, the noms match up. Uh, making sure when you're aging a barrel, you have to put a sticker over the barrel, and CRT reps will come do round inspections to make sure that Matches the sticker up. hasn't been uh, tampered with. So, if you say something's been aged for six months, it has been aged for six months yeah. to, to make sure that like it's got a sign sticker on it. Yeah. So, it all gets double checked through the CRT. And there are a couple of um, international tequila ambassadors. I think um, Ocho uh, uh, Estes. With um, um, Jesse? Uh, uh, Jesse Estes. Jesse Estes, yeah. Uh, no, his, Thomas, his father. Well, his father, but... His, his father's um, paid by the... He's, he works the CRT, I believe. I think he has a, a chair on the CRT. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Um, Julio Benejo at Tommy's in San Francisco. Um, he, he, I believe, as well as a tequila ambassador to the United States. Um, He's invented one of the best cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I don't yeah. think that they get paid. They don't get paid, or they don't uh, get well, just well, associated. Phil Bailey, um, who's the Mets, the first um, mezcal, the first Mets, the first global mezcal ambassador. Um, for those of you who don't know, Phil Bailey is an uh, Australian legend who who now is one of the biggest names in mezcal in the world. Uh, I believe he's paid by the by the CRM. He, I don't know, but he has some certificates. Yeah, yeah. No. He's the first person to be certified at least certified. by the Mexican outside, someone outside from, of Mexico. Outside of Mexico, yeah. not yeah. Mexican. The first, the first gringo to be able to flaunt that. Yeah. It's, um, it's a question I have for you guys because um, when I started getting uh, into cocktails, like mm. every bartender in Paris, the only thing they were like, they were all saying, oh, my favorite spirit is mezcal because it was like the hipster trendy thing to say and yeah. it sounded great. I love mezcal, but... Uh, um, it's it's kind of obviously a trend because it cannot be the same spirit everyone loves like suddenly even though it's great I'm like where is mezcal now because it's still like a spirit not a lot of people know and even though there's sort of brands starting to emerge like I personally only know like one brand of mezcal mezcal is kind of where tequila was 30 years ago Okay. Mm. And do you think it's going to go faster? Because I thought bartending world would take it up in two years, and actually it's taking way more time it's like than scotch. I thought. It's like tequila, tequilas, yeah. for, for somebody who doesn't drink, I think tequila's a lot easier to drink. It doesn't quite have the same flavor pexity, it doesn't have the same smokiness, and also mezcal is generally overproof. So if you're not used to, like, yeah. if, if you're not a serious spirits drinker, or you're not seriously into your peated whiskeys, like mezcal can be a bit intimidating sometimes. Yeah. Which is why I think it hasn't been taken up as quickly as tequila. The other thing is mezcal is much more distinct in a cocktail. With tequila, you can make a cocktail and it doesn't necessarily overwhelmingly taste like tequila. Yeah. If you make something with mezcal, you're kind of building flavors to work around mezcal. Whereas with tequila, you can use that to build flavors around another profile. Like mm. you can put grapefruit in there and use tequila to accent the grapefruit. Mm. With mezcal, you're generally trying to find flavors to accent the mezcal instead of the other way around. So I have a question for you. 
when I went in a bar in Paris, which is super famous for cocktails, yeah. what they did is they made me a Paloma mm. with a base that was half like they just literally make a, a bottle in their back bar, yeah. which is half tequila, half mezcal, oh, yes. so that it softens uh, the smokiness. Do you yeah. see that as a crime? No, oh, it's, it's not a crime. I mean, okay, so I, when it comes to there's, cocktails, there's many, yeah. when it comes to cocktails and stuff like that, I'm like, people drink what they want to drink. Like, yeah. you enjoy it, man. Like, I'm there to make you a drink. I don't want to serve you something you don't like. If you have a request and you want to make it, I'm not going to get salty and argue with you and tell you that's not the right thing to do. Like, yeah. if you want to put ice in your Sauvignon Blanc, I'm not going to tell you that's the wrong way to drink it. <laughs> you, you want to drink Coke with your Johnny Walker yeah, Green if, label? You know what? If, you, if you want to buy a nip of Johnny Blue and mix it with coke if you want to buy a shot of your picky 30 years old and get coke with it i'm i'm gonna be like are you sure man but if they say yeah i'm absolutely positive i want it that way i'm not gonna tell them they can't do it no i know but still like no uh, you, you wouldn't put your johnny blue uh, with coke you know it's I mean, just, personally not but you wouldn't say anything to to someone who does it but you wouldn't do it yourself i wouldn't mix tequila and mezcal myself generally i generally want either one or the other okay i don't want to blend the two because one's going to water down the other yeah as a mexican but, what would you say no but yeah. i've been do um i've been making a uh, a drink based on tequila and then i fold mezcal on it yeah i like using mezcal Oh, delicious! Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's a riff though because yeah. you're the whiskey base, and then you're you're doing the, the yeah, yeah, exactly. I like atomizing mezcal, atomizing mm. it on top of a cocktail because it's just like it's that smell, it's like pronounced, mm. it's like oh, what is this? You taste it, boom! Atomizing it is like it's like using and you know cooking. I put cinnamon in my bolognese, being Middle Eastern, I love cinnamon. It adds that spice, that savoriness. We're like, what? Is oh, that? great man! We put nutmeg in everything, right? Savory, and it's yeah. like, what is that? Like, you know it already by drinking. Like, I know it, but what is it when you don't associate it with it? But yeah. It makes you think. Yeah, but definitely there is a group of people, maybe in Mexico, maybe outside of Mexico, that they will, they will think that you, the only way that you can drink mezcal... Is out of a water bottle. It's neat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called a capita. Straight, yeah. Capita. Yeah. Straight, no mixing with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also... So, so, so when, I, when I was out, like... I mean, you're the Mexican. You've been to no, but you, you've been there as well. I, yeah, I've been there. But so, so I was at a restaurant. Brad story. Pitt was also the Mexican, so you have some credibility. <laughs> <on this. laughs> Anyways, so I was at a, I was at a restaurant distillery, and um, and there was this party. It was actually um, so so kind of the so there is no regulatory commission for Ricea. It's not like tequila and mezcal where it's government. Is it Ricea is on government, isn't it? Exactly. It is now. So that's It is now. It used to I be. I think they, they, they put it there. No, no. The Ricea became a category because people didn't want to pay their taxes to yeah. tequila or mezcal. Yeah. So they made this new category and they're like, oh, and so the CRT and the CRM would come around to these distilleries and be like, yo, you're selling this. You need to pay, pay your taxes, man. And they're like, Nah, man, this is Ricea. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're, not paying we're not paying your taxes, and that's how it became a category. Um, but anyway, so we're at. So there is this um, like board, like unofficially, of all these top Ricea uh, producers. Um, and so Esteban Morales, who uh, does uh, Love Letter Nosa Ricea, where he sort of took us around to a couple of his distilleries, and then he took us to this board meeting. Of a bunch of these distillers who are all like the head of it. So all these big, big, big wigs in the industry, like these amazing uh, producers who make incredible juice. Um, <laughs> and we were sitting there, and they had this big meeting, and uh, I was there with Robin, and we were we we didn't sit in for the meeting. That was kind of a bit more private. Plus, it was in um it was in Spanish, obviously, and my Spanish is pretty pretty terrible. <laughs> so it would have been a waste of time anyway. We went to a bar and got pissed. 
We came back afterwards, I had a big barbecue, and they all bought a couple of bottles of their own rice tea, and everyone was showing it around and shit. And they were, like, walking around with bottles of Coca-Cola and bottles of Squirt, just, like, topping up each other's rice tea with, <laughs> with Squirt. And so I was like, uh, Esteban, like, everyone, like, is this okay? You, you're okay with this guy? Like, it was a bottle of Punta, like, serious rice tea. Yeah. And the guys, it was the guy who made it. It was pouring, topping it up with Squirt. And I'm like, what, what the fuck is happening? Like, this shit is, like, a rarity in Australia. You get it and you sip it. And I'm like, mate, is... It's like, are you okay with this? And he's like, yeah, man, it's fucking, as long as they're enjoying it, you let them enjoy it. Yeah. And I sort of heard that, and I'm like, fuck, like, you can't argue with that at the end of the day, right? Like, yeah, there is, is a time and place for your wanky tasting. I mean, I've built a business around wanky tastings with yeah. mezcal. You know, I make a living doing it. But- What's funny is, though, you say all that, and like, well, no, we're going to juxtapose or bring it back to champagne, is from Mexico and mezcal, is like, just as long as you enjoy it. Yeah. I drink wine out of a bottle with this cunt, and he gets mad at me. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is exactly where I wanted to go. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, okay. You won't even drink it. You'll wait till we get home and have a glass. You know what I mean? And like, we're having oysters in the park, beautiful environment. He's like, oh, I can't believe you're drinking out of the bottle. Yeah. I'm just like, wine. They, make, yeah. they make wine literally for drinking out of a bottle. Of bottle. No, Moet has no, no, produced a product where it no. goes <laughs> into the neck of it and you can drink out of a Moet bottle. Like, they produce that. <laughs> right? Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's <laughs> so. like that's like uh, 20, 20 centiliters bottles. I mean, it's carbonated though. Like champagne is very, very carbonated. Yeah, and I'm drinking semillon. I'm not even drinking champagne. I'm drinking still wine. No, no, no. The the is, about that. no, no. But there's there's one thing is, um, of course, if you enjoy it, that's fine. But you know, it's like uh, Roderer when. Uh, uh, they put crystal in all the rap uh, movie uh, like music. Oh, they drink out of the bottle. And yeah, and they were pouring it on girls. Well, and my everything. friend watched it. Watched and it like watch with the champagne. director said, like crystal is like one of the best wines you make in the world. And of course, when you've been waiting for eight years in the cellars to make a wine and you see it poured on the floor, you're like, of course, it's not oh, very pleasant, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think at some point, like of course, yeah. you, you buy it, you enjoy it the way you want it. But there's, there's somewhere the producer. But at crying. some point, there's <laughs> there's also you know if if they were doing it to Mescal, you would be pissed off as well. I, yeah, I'd be super pissed off. Yeah, and it's like there's a respect to after a product. True. You can enjoy it the way you want it, but yeah. like How about you put a bit of respect and to it. Yeah. It's it's just like you know this thing has been waiting for you for a long time, and maybe just and it, and it's a shame for you as well because mm. you don't enjoy it. But in the end, you're paying for it, like, and you're paying the the high price probably. So that's fine. Well, in the end, uh, Jay-Z, who was doing that, bought his own, like, he didn't buy his own champagne brand, but he sort of created it. Well, that Ace of Spades, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's been selling. It's in nightclubs. It's, it's, I've never actually had it. Well, it's, it's selling only in nightclubs. Uh, yeah. Wonder <laughs> why. It's getting poured on the trippers in the ground. <laughs> I've tasted it. It's good even? for a non-vintage. Uh, no, you can have the same quality for uh, 40 bucks. So. Oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's still good. It's still good. I mean, you're the champagne, man. It's know, good. But, yeah. but, uh, so I say BF. You say straight names. Jam. No, it's, it's, it's a how, good how much, champagne, uh, but like, champagne it's not worth... But everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Fuck it, man. This guy. It's fine. Yeah, true, true. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, like, the whole consumption of it. I told him... We had a friend's birthday, Robin, mutual friends, acquaintance, at best. Um, and I remember I gave him this bottle of champagne, and I told you about this. Oh, his birthday. birthday, yeah. You were there. I was there, yeah. I bought a bottle of mum. Great. Birthday, happy birthday. He sprayed it everywhere. There was not even... 
that much left in the bottle. Yeah, but he really enjoyed that sip. <laughs> yes, and, and he enjoyed I, it. Spread it on his like, his girlfriend was, was a little bit ticked off that she that he covered her in champagne. Yeah. Oh yeah. She, yeah. Uh, Alex is so mad. I mean, Susie. Um, <laughs> so mad. And uh, you know, it was funny because I, I I was in shock too, and I'm like, personally, yeah, I bought you that bottle, but like, I was expecting a glass. Yeah. You know, like, okay, there's a difference. And he's like, I don't give a shit. It's my birthday. I'm going to do this. And I come home and I tell you, like, oh, yeah, I bought a bottle for my friend's birthday. He's like, what the fuck? I mean, there's a difference. <laughs> like, look, there's a difference between mixing your whiskey with Coke and then pouring it over someone's face. Like, yes. not, not even their face, someone like over the mouth. There's a, there's a big difference between. I've had Corvassier poured on my face and it burns. It sounds boozy as Thank you word. for this anecdote, Ken. <laughs> because my mate just changed life. <laughs> that was a little humble. Uh, I was like, yeah. I know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I it in my face, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, but it, and, it, and it's also an advice, like when you've got great, great stuff, and Ken will be able to testify about that. When you have like an amazing bottle of wine, you want to open it in the right conditions, yeah, and not open it when you're have already had like many drinks because no, you're, you're not going to enjoy it as much that's a mistake I think everybody makes at some point they've got a bottle they're saving but yeah. then when they're at home they're having drinks they're pissed and they're like here's this bottle I'm saving everyone have it Yeah. and you drink it and you're like I don't even remember drinking that I've done that with a bottle of 2002 Lalu Moom mm. there's only about six cases if that now left in the world and you know what I did it's a heavy night. I decided I'm going to open up one bottle. You know what I decided after that one bottle? I'm going to open up my second bottle of it. <laughs> I didn't want a name drop. <laughs> was I not, how was I not there for that? Uh, it was a friend of mine over. Oh. And uh, yeah, we just enjoyed you it. You can't see the, the gestures he's doing, but they're uh, Cheersing. pretty graphic. Graphic. <laughs> We're a bumping. All right. Uh, but no, nonetheless, I'm like, that's, that's the thing. Like, It's super interesting Like even knowing about champagne and like, well, it's the same as like anything else. There's a set of ways to do things. Like when I go for a tasting, you know, you got to start with, in my opinion, Grand Brut, the non-vintage, you know, or you go to Blanc de Blanc because like that's a really pure flavor. You would agree, yeah? yeah. Blanc de Blanc, maybe the Grand Brut, move your way into some other varietals and then end with a rosé. I never knew that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's interesting to think like, okay, how do we start and transition this uh, experience of sensory tasting and smell and carry that forward. And like, if <laughs> talking about on premise, one of my accounts, we had a champagne dinner and they have a sommelier. She's a seasoned sommelier. And they sent us the menu of the order of the champagnes and the meals being paired with it. And I knew instantly as I got that email, Oh yeah, this brand ambassador is gonna have to say something about the the order of this menu. And he's like, this menu's <laughs> all over the place. Why? What, what happened? No, like, so, sometimes, 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 like, because the thing is, and we're not blaming anyone, but it's just like it's what we do every day, and it's important to remember that not everyone's world is about champagne. So yeah. your job is also to kind they of they had rosé in the middle of the menu. that. Somewhere in there. And but that's true, though. Yeah. Like, it does it does mess with it in your palate. And when you have a very delicate champagne with a rich dish, it's just, it's it's a, it's a going to be a massive fail. I, I think delicate. for a song, sometimes, though, they're thinking acidity cuts through a heavy dish. So, like, how sometimes, you know, you'll have a heavy lamb shank, and sometimes a song will, if people insist on a white wine, 
a song will be like, oh, well, you want a Peter Grezio or, or a very light Riesling, you cut through the fat and oil on that, you know? 100%. I love Chardonnay. Yeah. I, I Chardonnay like, with I'm, a mop or tofu. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying the mixing champagne with a heavy dish is the right thing to do. I'm just saying I sort of see where a song might get oh, that no. logic from. And, and, and of course, songs like it's their jobs also to adapt to their clientele, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, when you want to prepare the ideal pairing, like yeah. you have to take into account that, for example, uh, you don't put a you don't put a blanc de blanc with a ribeye, uh, no. with a heavy. Well, I don't, I don't know, ribeye with, good, blanc de blanc good. <laughs> Wait, what's it? <laughs> <laughs> good, good, yeah. Like, I, I can't do that. That's like my ideal vibe. <laughs> I'm just saying that's pretty fucking good to do. Like, I'm not a blanc de blanc. Like, I'm ruining that life right now, man. Like. And then just mix them with a little bit of Coca-Cola and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> still a long way ahead of you, Sam. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to start my meal with the rosé, please. <laughs> it's just so interesting, like, you know, we work with champagne and like, mum, you know, call me if I'm wrong, but like, what's the number one champagne people in France drink? Mum. Right. It's on the table of everywhere, every restaurant. Is that because you work for Mum? Oh, no, no. It's no, uh, it's... The, uh, in France. So Mum is first in only two countries, and it's okay. France and Australia. And, um, we're the number one in New Zealand It's as well. just, I think, I personally think it's cool that we're first in two wine countries. Yeah. Like, obviously, people in France, they kind of still have knowledge about wine, and Australia as well. And I think it's kind of a testimony to the quality. Also, the price is good for uh, the quality you get. Yeah, uh, yeah but it's, uh, right, 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 right. it's very like exactly, and I think like can you know, afford. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I can't. COVID, yeah, like some brands you get like you get still good quality, but I'm not willing to pay eighty dollars for yeah. something that I personally judge equivalent to Moon. So. In the end, in the end, that's the cool thing about champagne yeah. as well. Is it's all a matter of taste. If you get a sweet tooth, you're gonna go for another brand. If you're more into Pinot Noir, you're gonna go maybe for Moon. But if you're into Chardonnay, you're gonna go to Perrichet or mm. Ruinard or whatever. So it's like and the, the style, like the typical blend that they make and everything. And I think that's a great thing. Is in the end, I don't have like to convince people my brand is the best. Yeah, uh, I will like. Tell them how to understand it, mm -hmm. understand like the style of it. But if it's not theirs, I'm not gonna tell them go buy it. Yeah. It's just if you like it, you're gonna yeah. like it, obviously. And I'm convinced it's good. But uh, I'll be very happy if they buy it and they also buy other brands because um, I think comparing them is the base of knowledge of champagne. And yeah. the more yeah, you know, sure. the more you appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. But also um, because. I've seen Mom in Mexico. I don't think that it's really big. There's some other brands. I, I have I have actually a, a friend who's brand ambassador in Mexico. Oh, cool! And um, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what she told me is that in Mexico, uh, Moet is so yeah. big it's... that it's very very hard really? for him to take a okay. place. And there's also uh, historical reasons. Is that just um, at some point, like when a brand has been here for a very long time, it's hard for brands to just come on the market. And yeah. Compete, and yeah. Moom arrived late. Moom was first in other countries. And, uh, but Moet is the biggest in the world. So you see Moet everywhere. Yeah. You really? I mean, bottle shops, 
retail yeah, shops. But, but tequila is also the only the number two selling spirit in Mexico. You know which one is the number yeah, one? Brandy. Yeah, and brandy I didn't know that. Yeah, brandy. Brandy is the number one selling spirit in Mexico. So when like like something's number one in Mexico, I'm like, I don't really know what to think of that. So it's, it's brandy, not yeah, cognac. Yeah, so more well, cognac is included in that brandy. Yeah, cognac category. is included in brandy. But, but like, I assume it's mainly not cognac brandy. Well, no, I, I think I think there's there's a column A, column B. I, they, so people they, drink a lot of cognac in yeah. Mexico. More, more than more, more, more than tequila. Like no I, so, way. Yeah, but yeah. I found that, out, that that has astounded me. Speaking so, of which, tequila break. Cheers. Tequila break. <laughs> cheers, guys. Yeah, absolutely crazy, huh? Um, so the way people are like something. I would hate it if people mm. drank more tequila than cognac in France. <laughs> well, they I mean, actually they probably do. Probably do yeah. <laughs> they probably do. Yeah. They probably do. They're more vodka in France, I, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, but they know. make it in France, which is different. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think you ever heard of Grey Goose? <laughs> <laughs> is Belvedere so French as well? No, Belvedere's are Polish. Yeah. Oh, is it Polish? No, but even like, the even the, the, the kind of lower vodka, brands of vodka, like Poliaco, <laughs> yeah, they're made in France. Yeah, mine too, for that shit. And I think that's because of the palate in each country. Like every country is like, yeah, yeah. like sweeter, like... Exactly, and talking about champagne, like uh, here in Australia, people have wine palates, so they're more into dry wines. True. But in South Africa, uh, it's also a wine country, but their their champagne consumption is more uh, linked to nightlife. So they're way more into sweet wines, like wines that you can enjoy while partying. So it's going to be more demi-sec instead of brut with more added sugar. So for us, I know especially for Moom, I don't know for other brands, but... uh, we have a huge market for sweeter champagnes. And it's interesting to see like different consumptions. In Australia, there's is that like nightlife is not huge for champagne. Yeah. In yeah. France, if you go in the south of France, people will spend a lot of money in nightclubs buying expensive bottles of champagne. Whereas in Australia, it's not really a thing. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, like in nightclubs. Yeah, you're right. I, my champagne knowledge and champagne experience is blowing up. You know, as an on-prem manager or account rep, sorry, it's super interesting to see these brands and like, you know, we're going to be honest with quality and whatever. Like I prefer Momo over a lot of brands mm-hmm. just for the sake of it. Cause it's delicious. It's easy drinking. Yeah. It's a fun brand. Yeah. A lot of champagnes as well. Like we'll say with Pierre Jouet are very much should be with gastronomy. Like they should be paired with food. And that's, I think the best way of like really taking that in. So like when I look at people, you know, they're offering, I Blanc mean, to Blanc with oysters. Oyster, yeah, yeah. Oyster champagne, okay. like one of my favorite. But still, like, Moom, you can drink on its own. It's fun. It's young. It's easy drinking. Or even the vintages are great. But with PJ, you really need food to, I think, accentuate and develop mm-hmm. that flavor and that experience. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. To, this And this is a really interesting juxtapose that I, I really point out to a lot of people is, like, people will bitch about the price of gas and the price of consumption. Right? <laughs> Wine, dinners, clothes, whatever. Yeah. One thing that they don't pitch on is the cost of a cell phone and the upkeep and repair. You'll spend a thousand bucks on that cell phone. And how much did your last Apple Watch cost you? How long did it put into any tangible category? And it's interesting because whenever you talk to people, the more you talk to people who know about wine, the more you see that they're willing to spend more on wine. And that's because they know why it costs more yeah so like if you talk about like real wine lovers 
they'll be willing to spend a hundred bucks easily on a bottle if they know that if it's a great source, great producer that yeah. like uh, is biodynamic or whatever, and they'll be happy to pay for it. But yeah, other for other stuff, no. Is I think like education is key. And let's bring it back. Like that's why champagne is so controlled. Like with champagne, has to be for champagne, has yeah. to be. Interesting, and like we talk about champagne, and like, oh, champagne's so French. At the same time, I know America's buying a shitload of France. Like, no, and that's that's also and they're operating under French. That's also names. something that made champagne so big is that they have so much control over like the whole process and over what's going on Just overseas. Like, um, there was a, there's this super famous story of a. Uh, a French designer who created a fragrance and called it champagne. Obviously, it was a fragrance. It was not champagne. And he got sued in justice for it. Yeah. Because it was not Sorry, technically he, champagne. Yeah. He used the name. And yeah. he had to change the name. Well, you know, you know, um, Anzac biscuits. You guys have been in Australia long enough to know what Anzac I biscuits are. I think I've had are. one. Yeah. So, so it's like it, an oatmeal cookie. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not. It's an oatmeal biscuit. Um, like. Cookie. <laughs> You're in Australia. It's an Anzac biscuit. That's the name. It's a cookie. What's this, this conversation this, about? This lends to my point. <laughs> No, so you can't you can't have flavored Anzac. You can't say chocolate Anzac biscuit. You can't say caramel Anzac biscuit. You can only make Anzac biscuits because it's so part of the Australian culture. The government put out this cease and desist for anybody who tries to make any amendments on it. I think that's. I mean, we're really protective over that because Australia doesn't have that much booze being produced here. Besides, beer. we we feel so fortunate being in the Pacific because I can say it's next to you. They can't see as it. I, as, so I, I, as, I, as I told you, yeah. like. Yeah. Mum's main market Looks is good, France, though, right? and the, the the second one is Australia, and New Zealand is super important as well. And we're so lucky to have this thing in Australia, and New Zealand, break. where we activate that much. Yeah. Oh, I didn't we have the Melbourne Cup in Australia mm -hmm. and the America's Cup in New Zealand, and there's no equivalent around the world, which is amazing. Like. There's, there's no event that is as big as the America's Cup or the Melbourne Cup around the world for Moon. So, Mel kind yeah. of, I kind of feel like in here we're the epicenter of the Moon life. But so, you know, like Moon and, and Krug, they're German. They're not French. Moon? G-H-M yeah, yeah. is German. True. It's three brothers, right, from Germany. Yeah, it, it's like German origins, but based in France. Yeah, based the owners and the brothers came from Germany, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were wine merchants, so they had this wine knowledge. So what's the, what's the story with Mom and how did they get from Germany to France? So it's a thing like, in general, uh, the Champagne region was this place uh, in Europe where commerce was going all the way, like, from all the wealthy places, from the north oh, of Italy all the way to the south of England. And isn't Champagne was the center. Sorry, I will call you that, but what's like, as a Canadian, isn't this our coat to arms as well as the Commonwealth? Uh, it's uh, because of uh, Mum used uh, has been for a while the official supplier of the Court of England. Oh, that's why it's the Commonwealth. It's the Court of Arms. On it. It's it's the Court of England. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Court of Arms. Know that. That's actually yeah the Court yeah. of Arms because we have the same in Canada. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Australia's Australia's Commonwealth yeah, as well, yeah. No, we're, like that's yeah, super no, interesting yeah, to see that. that. I know on a bottle because I don't. So I've in, never in, noticed in, that. in Buckingham Palace they drink Mum. Um, no, so the thing is, many champagne houses have been granted this, uh, mainly the among there. the biggest. Yeah, yeah. So it's not everyone can put that, but yeah. for Mum, Mum has been like the most famous and known, like 
For a hundred years, Momo is known for being the best champagne in the world and the most expensive. People tend to forget that. For a while, it was like when you were buying Momo, it was like today, if I was telling you, I was buying a bottle of La Romaine et Conti. Yep. Uh, so it was very, very expensive. Uh, and uh, of course, when you're the best champagne in the world, you're poured in the best and most prestigious oh, so places. The crown, the crown was put that logo on it. Anyway, yeah. so sorry, get, get back to the, um, to the brothers yeah. immigrating, yeah. So, yeah, they were immigrating. So, that's why uh, Champagne was this place where people would trade a lot, and whether they came from Italy or the north of Europe, and it was also a great wine place. So, uh, people from Germany, they were already making wine, and they saw the big opportunity. There's many things that make Champagne, like, super famous for what it is today, and... Personally, I kind of feel like the main one is that all the French kings were crowned in the main in the capital of the Champagne region, which kind of made it famous. And that's why we say today that it's the wine of kings, because Ooh. French kings were crowned there, and the king of wines for its quality. And it became so popular that it was exported to all the royalties in Europe. It was way too expensive for regular people to buy it. Yeah, right. In the 19th century... Uh, um, and an industry worker had to work two weeks to be able to afford one bottle. So, like for us today, like uh, super. We could not afford to not. drink. And I think that's what carries today, like that modernism is like it's a special occasion. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it's exactly. just not. It's just not like uh, a table wine we crack at home, right? You're not gonna open it right now. No, no, I'm never gonna. Open no, it. We have a, we have another bottle. No, we have. Uh, another, are we gonna uh, open something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. But, like, um, but, but that that makes sense, though, isn't it? Interesting, like the carry forward of like back home, you'd work. Back in the day, two two and a half weeks just in order to afford it, yeah. and nowadays it still carries that same importance, that same emphasis. And, well, champagnes like like I was saying earlier, um, my, my my partner just got her permanent residency, and we cracked a bottle of Cristal because we've been holding on to it. Exactly. For, for, I, I mean, I've had that bottle for like you know years, and we're just waiting for the right occasion. And that's, if and if, 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 if yeah. I'm meeting my family, I'm gonna uh, for a special occasion, I will want to open first a bottle of champagne, kind of to mark the moment as a special thing. Yeah, of course, and, exactly. And just going back to Champagne, it's interesting to see how many German houses there are out there just because... Uh, um, well, Piper Heidsick, it's, it's Piper German Heidsick as well. Piper Heidsick has German Heidsick origins. German as well. yeah. Bollinger has Bolling, German Bolling, origins. Yeah. Krug. Uh, uh, no. Dutz has yeah, German Dutz. origins True. as well. True, a lot of, lot of German so it's, um So I've basically t- uh, said them all now. Well, but it's like, it's so, major so houses. So they're half know? the major houses on Champagne. Like, uh, no, no, no. No, no the, major, the, much, big, the big ones. But I mean, it's like it's like origins, you know, like the guy came from Germany, but in the end, still he, he, French, he, he became German French. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Like, and, um, but why did the Germans yeah. then go from Germany to France? Um, basically because... What was the push? What was the drive? What was Well, for Moom, it was because they had this wine business that was working very well. And Champagne was this growing region where you could see this massive opportunity and the quality was recognized all over Europe already. Mm. So they just decided to settle in there because it was the place where uh, you could kind of be recognized for your quality all over the world and expand their business globally, basically. So the moment they settled in, they decided, okay, uh, if you want to settle in, since they were German, they had this really technical approach to champagne making. So they were like, if you want to sell in champagne, we're going to buy the best vineyards. So they bought the best vineyards for Pinot Noir because that's what Moom is all about. And mm. they also like started digging uh, the cellars. 
in a very, very technical way. If you go to most cellars in Champagne, it's, it's been dark for hundreds and hundreds of years, but Moom, it was dark for a long time, but at some point, as Germans... Like how, how deep did the cellars go? 25 kilometers. Yeah, 25 Holy kilometers. shit. 25 kilometers. It's big. It's very big. That's from big. here to Parramatta. And it is That's the most... That's from here to Parramatta. God damn. That's a cellar. From for, here to for Parramatta. Our, for, for, our, for our overseas listeners, it's a, it's a long fucking way. <laughs> Basically, driving at the speed limit, it takes you half an hour. Driving. Yeah. Speed limit. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. And you gotta think that... I didn't realize that, that was that big. There's like millions... There's like literally 25 millions of bottles. Yeah. Resting there. Mm. There's but probably bottles from in the winery. There's like one million so. bottles per kilometer of cellar we have. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Like when you're in a big house, the big house tends to have more money, so they can afford to age their champagnes for longer. So Of course. I mean same in tequila. Yeah. Now that I know Reese is gonna be in the next episode, I'm gonna stop talking about tequila, because anything I'll say, he'll say ten times better. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll check this out like as, as an on-premise account rep and we, we bring it back to like Dan Murphy's and like this this um I wanna say specialization within our SKUs for on-premise and for consumption. Yeah. Is there's so many levels and layers that you have to suck major ass to. Yeah. And it's your consumer, your buyer, well, your venue. Yep. And overall. And like when we talk about like with Moom and we talk about this stuff and like this this exclusivity again, let's talk about it. Is there's two different recipes for Moom that people don't generally know. You have the Dan Murphy or the Liquor Land, it's Cordon Rouge. Mm, yep, which has, yep, yep. if I'm not mistaken, so I, I didn't Pinot know Noir. about this till I saw like, the pieces. Yeah, there. no, a bit more Pinot Noir and the Cordon Rouge. For for Moom, two and a half years. For Moom, it's apart from our Blanc de Blanc, it's always going to be all about Pinot Noir. Yeah. So we have one Blanc de Blanc because it's historical. What is, what is, but but what the Cordon is, Rouge is different to the Grand Cordon, right? Like yeah, they're they're different. They're yeah. Different. So, uh, they're, so they're, Cordon Rouge is how, what's the so Cordon Rouge is the historical blend, which is. Predominant created in 1876, predominantly out of Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir. and uh, it was created out of the Legion of Honor, which is a very prestigious French medal created by Napoleon to symbolize the excellence of the wines. And recently, we kind of reinvented that into Grand Cordon. I feel like Napoleon wasn't really a champagne drinker, though. Oh, no, he, he was. was. Oh, he was. Oh, he was. Oh, he was. Hey, <laughs> I look at that know, guy. I've seen Red... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I've seen Napoleon. And I'm like, Wait, no, you know why the red? Do you know why the red sash is on the bottle? It's oh, from Napoleon. So, yo, I did know that he's too, the one and I still make myself sound stupid. He was the one that savored bottles every time coming back from war. So yeah, and I knew both those facts, and I still am just like, that's why there's the sash. I stand by my statement. I look at that man, and I'm like, I, I don't. This I've seen portraits of him. That's the sash, which is interesting with the eagle on here, which is the Germans have the double-headed eagle, right? Yeah, so this is, it's like kind of the coat of arm of the family Moom because they were nobles in Germany. So they had that eagle. It's not you specifically German, content. it's just... Yeah, you're getting enough from Moom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and like, you know, with, well, German, and Romans had the eagle sign. It's like that prestigiousness. But yeah. this is after Napoleon. Yeah, so basically this medal you would get, it was a massive ribbon you would get all across your chest given by Napoleon for great service done to the state. Mm. So for example, uh, still today they give it to you, but it would, like for example, if you've been in the army for like 25 years or 30 years, you get that as a kind of thank you from the government or uh, all the president get it. Like the president is kind of the 
the big boss of this medal, so he always gets it. And if you look still today on his suit, there's always a little he's red got, dot. He's got the pin. Oh, it's, it's just red a red dot, dot on, ah, on the jacket, and that's the Legion of Honor, which is what we represent on our bottles. Which is interesting though, because you think about like red, and red's a color of power. Finishing on that for the Cordon Rouge, so it was created in honor of that, and recently we created this new bottle that is on-premise exclusive. So if Grand you're in ball. Australia, if you're buying Moom, it should be on-premise exclusive most okay. of the time. And it is the same blend, like the same percentage of grape varieties, except we select more prestigious parcels, more expensive grapes, basically. We use more of our reserve wines from previous years, which bring more complexity, and we age it for around six months longer. So in the end, it's like a more elevated and complex and refined wine than the Cordon Rouge you can find on retail, which is still like... It's still delicious. It's just like if you have a more refined palate, you're gonna enjoy the Grand Cordon more than the Cordon Rouge you find in retail. All right, here let me ask you this question, Senor Sam. <laughs> what are the three grapes that comprise of champagne? Hand wash, Chardonnay, and Okay. Nice. Yeah, okay. 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 The program. Bro, the I, 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 I managed a champagne bar. <laughs> right, with a majority so, of our champagnes. <laughs> yeah, really so, another that. question for you. Uh, Yo, when does it become trivia? Yeah, go on. Uh, would you say you are more a uh, Blanc de Blanc only Chardonnay guy or a Blanc de Noir only Pinot Noir guy? I Blanc de Blanc. Oh, really? What do you like Blanc about Blanc it? Blanc de Noir. Um, I like I like the crisp. I like light early on the palate sort of finish. Pinot, so uh, pure noir champagnes tend to have a linger, and I don't so much. They put it up like a bit of sour aftertaste, which I don't love. I think in blended champagnes, I like how round it is. If I'm going for a pure, I much prefer blanc blanc because it's crisp. I like early start. Uh, we have tasted a pretty nice blanc de noir together. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, it's which uh, one? <laughs> the RSRV it. Blanc de Noir. Oh, yeah, oh wait, yeah. it's you, don't, you don't remember drinking it. This is like my favorite uh, champagne. RSRV, no, absolutely. Delicious. Man, that was on my birthday. No, it's just like it was for Ken's birthday. That's on my birthday. We, we opened like a bottle. I opened. Yeah, we, we, we all, once we a all year. know how yeah. that even <laughs> turned out. Saving that bottle so. for six months. <laughs> well. I'm, I'm glad your toilet got to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> some for you, some for the homies. That's it, man. That's um, it. No, no, no. That, that's a delicious champagne. I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying noir champagnes aren't, aren't delicious. I'm just saying if, if I'm... Oh, no, it's, it's a matter of taste. And and also, also yeah. RSRB is kind of pick of the litter. Like, yeah, yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of any champagne, regardless of grape varietal, it's, it's got to be fucking delicious. Well, you know RSRB is all Grand Crew from Cremont. No, it's not. It's not all no? from Cremont, but it's only Grand Cru. So anyway, besides the champagne stuff, is there any rep stuff you want to talk about? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm really interested in champagne. Yeah, so yeah. This uh, is, there's a reason behind everything. So no, that's this. that's the cool thing is like, Moon being like a champagne brand, everyone knows very well because it's the biggest in Australia. Like recently, like two years ago, they decided to create a collection with all of their most like kind of uh, more intimate wines that no one knows about and they all put them under the same label which is RSRV which is short for reserved because those used to be wines that were only kept for friends and family of Maison Moon there was no label on them before and they only come from the most prestigious vineyards of Champagne 
they've been ranked in terms of quality with scientific studies uh, because of the soils and how they're exposed to the sun and everything. And they're called Grand Cru, so Great Cru or Great Parcels. Yep. So in, wait, in, in respect, is it Grand Cru, Premier Cru, and Cru? Yeah, exactly. Just two crews. So when you're Grand Cru, you're 100% of quality. When you're Premier Cru, you're between 99 and 90%, if I'm not mistaken. And then you have other Cru. It, it doesn't is mean that. Is there bad. any, like, is, is there any definition of what differentiates? Yeah, it's a hill. It's a literally hill. The top of the yeah. hill is Grand Cru. The middle okay, of the hill so, is so, so it's, it's geological. Uh, topo- no, top, top, topography. No, 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 but, but, but so like, is there a scientific thing of being like, what the difference is between a grand crew and a crew? Or are there yeah, some... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's, it's everything. So it's been, it's been studied scientifically on two main things, which is the price of the grapes. But can you say you're a grand crew if you're not a grand crew? No, 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 you can't. It's you legally defined. It's legally defined. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm asking. No, no, no. And so you can't like call your wine a grand crew if it's not a grand crew because you only have... 5% of the whole Champagne appellation, which is Grand Cru. So if you look mm, at Champagne being like a limited appellation, and you only have 5% of that that is Grand Cru, and then you only have like the moon parcels that are used to make these wines, you're like getting into the best That's of the best of the way. best. Moon's like... No, 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 yeah, 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 of yeah. course, of course. So, and it's interesting when you get the chance to just... and. For everyone who's listening, like just get a regular bottle of non-vintage champagne, which is like good quality, but like regular and get like a really good one, like a good vintage from a great house. And you're going to see how, like how much complex, extra complexity you get. And it's something like we don't often do because usually when we have champagne, you know, it's celebratory and we have it with friends and we don't tend to like taste the difference between uh two uh, different bottles but when you actually do you understand how much complexity you can get from one bottle to the other in champagne which would be the same sense for cordon rouge and grand cordon absolutely because cordon rouge is two and a half years on the ace and then grand cordon that we have for on-premise is three years on the ace which if people don't know it's like three years on, on yeast and then it's aged in barrels as well it's so, a little longer no, it's just like there's a, there's a bit of barrel yeah. touch, but yeah. it's just, it's mainly the thing is, but the you're, heart you're, and the soul. Try, you're trying to express something more refined and more hey. complex. Of but the, the heart and soul of that, of that wine is the same. Yeah, exactly. True. I just got a little left field question though. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on pet nuts? Um, I don't have any thoughts on pet <laughs> I, No, no, no. no. Like, I, I kind of feel like... It's kind of, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, you're, you're a champagne man. You love your champagne. I will and, like, be, I will I be completely on honest. Yeah. I love... I'm, I'm, my passion is wine in general. Yeah, of course. I know that. I mean, no. I love... I love my hey, wait, that's a Canadian book. No, no, no. Not, is pet nuts. Pet nuts. It's really big in Australia, isn't it? It's With natural wines are huge in Australia. That's why pet nuts are sort of taking off So I'll say it. So do you want to explain it or do you want me to? In France. I believe in that, but I think like we've had this discussion on the manly, the spit walk, exactly. Wine is fucking wine at the end of the day. You know what I mean? The heart and soul should be the same. You know? Um, you know, you talk pet nads and natural yeast, natural wines. When we think back to when wine was fucking made that's how it was made originally so like why is it this in my opinion different category when like when we think about aging we think about development we think about characteristics you know it's the same with tequila let's bring it back to to, to wine is you know plata reposado viejo it's the same heart and soul 
But, but with natural wine, but like... Not, not, no, wine! Yeah, so, so, yeah, 100%. Okay, I've, I've been on many drunken rants. Have any of you seen me at uh, Camp what, what, what's, and, well, what's the difference between, like... Morning. Oh, but um, it's natural wine. It's, it's natural. talking about nat- natural wine. Yeah, well, it means that overall preservatives in there. Like, there's a whole bunch. Yeah, natural wines are like 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 biodynamic yeah, wines. I can answer you on pet nuts. But, so, so, but I mean, like, yeah, menu. Answer, I love so, so, no, just, no, just no, to no. say, uh, like, um, I'll just answer you very quickly. Pet I, <laughs> I was, are I you googling this stuff right now? I couldn't. All right, you know what, Senor Sam? I couldn't remember what pet nuts good for. I had to look up pet nut is petit naturel, which is like naturally sparkling. But the second fermentation is in the bottle. That's the difference between no. it and a regular champagne. And no, but it's not the same. It's not the like. But it's it's not a major one... difference. Like the major difference is like you can make pet nut anywhere in the world. Yeah. Oh well, it's not Appalachian. No, no, you can make it with any grapes. It's just you can make it's, it here. it's a different wine. Yeah. And and, yeah. and the thing with pet nut is usually they. But try it's to... a sparkling. It's a style of sparkling wine. Yeah. I want you as a champagne geek to. But like, you know do what? You like it or I'm, not? Even I'm, I'm not looking down on it. It's just it's not my style. But yeah. like, if people love it, I'm very happy for them. Like, you, 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 you're, you're a big natural wine geek, aren't you? I love natural wine. I love natural wine. Yeah, yeah no, because yeah. yeah, we spent so much money on a bloody Pinot Noir and it looked like mud. Well, I, it did I, look I, like mud. I don't have no issue with natural. I don't wines. know much about wines. To be honest, I've been drinking wine since I've been here in Australia, and I had a good teacher. And I've been drinking natural wines, biodynamic, whatever. Oh, like Reese. Reese's little yeah, baby. Yeah, it sounds like Reese. Hey, this is why you want to open up a natural wine bar in a fucking pizzeria <laughs> in fucking Oaxaca. Dude, you said <laughs> Reese. I exactly know why I came from. Spoil it already. Well, mate, I'm going to come in on it. We're going to call it Indian bread. <laughs> All right? Awesome. I like it. I like Indian it. bread. But I like wines. It doesn't yeah. matter like champagne, sparkling wine. <laughs> it's called uh, Cafe Patron. <laughs> Sorry, just to clarify, we've got some uh, espresso martini RTDs that are. Yo, Pernod, I'm try that out right that now. Pernod has generally, generously should, donated. Should we mention all the things that we had before? Right, okay, so uh, in, fr- in front uh, of us uh, on the table, um, you're the host, please. Okay, okay. okay so um, we won't talk about oh, this. Nope, never mind. <laughs> well, I can do it. Please take over. So the only true product of Mexico that we have is Diego. <laughs> we got a bottle of uh, El Humidor tequila in front of us, harking back to our Barrio Cellar uh, roots. Which is Sabrage. Sabrage. He's got a beautiful bottle in front of you guys, by the way. Um, we're also Jake uh, drinking. And check this out. Uh, I'm digging this wine right now. I think it's great. It's uh, Jacob's Creek. Not bad, not bad. Double Bell Shiraz 2017 Brado. It's aged in whiskey barrels. And you know what? I'm actually. I mean, it's tasty, it's, 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 it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Like on the nose, there's that vanilla toffee. All right, Mr. Brand Rep. What else we got on the table? <laughs> yeah, how would you do this? We also got our Color Espresso Martini, a bottle of mum. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's what he's opening up for you guys. Special bottle of mum. It's four and a half year. I'll let... I'll let... Four and a half year. Or four year. This uh, Usually it's like three year on the ace. However, no, we're drinking... Uh, they always put a number? No, 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 no. No, this no, no. Is, no, no, no. no, no. You, that's, this I mean, is purely him. So can we just cut it? Like... We can say we're People, drinking it, right? Okay. Oh no, we're drinking. So no, what we're drinking is uh, mum for Anastasia. So it's a four-year mum. Technically, mum um, is only aged for three years. So it's aged next any, year in barrel. Any like non-vintage Pierre Joanne or whatever non-vintages are minimum three year of Lies, which if you know Lies, the microphone's going to pick that up real good. <laughs> which is great. No, that's that's it. Like this is it. But uh, three years on Lies uh, means on uh, yeast, which is. With champagne, which people don't understand, is like 
It's a rack on a 45 degree angle, age on the yeast, which means it's aged on the yeast mm. by the bottle. And traditionally, champagne is bottle fermented. You guys can't see here, but for your listeners, you we're looking at a 45 degree angle, neck looking down, cork towards the floor. You look at this and what they do, just to make sure the surface um, area interacts with the liquid and the yeast, is every six months, they grab it by the hand, one hand full turn, that's it. Ah, uh, in interesting. Water. I didn't know that actually. That's it. That Very is cool. it. That's what they do with wine. Yeah. In general. Well, yeah, but I didn't realize that it was champagne because I would have thought because it's sparkling, you wouldn't want to aggravate it as much as you would with a normal no, wine. That's it. Every six months you turn. True. I would have thought you'd let champagne rest a little more because it's more active. Like wines, so, I know you do that, but I would have thought you'd just let your champagne sit so there because not aggravate anything. For your listeners, which is, well, you can't get it unless you go to an on-premise venue. And again, talking from my point of view, is we have Petit Cordon. Oh, Petit is- Cordon. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've tasted it once or twice. And it's great. It's got those oh, mongrel yeah. characteristics. Yo, for what it is, it, it's incredible. No, but bi- biodynamic wines are very interesting. Very simply because it's like... Why is it interesting? It, it's interesting because usually winemakers... But he doesn't care about them. No, no. Winemakers no. who do it, and I'm not looking at specific Do you regions. know what they're doing, though? I know. I know do you know what biodynamic is? bury a, a horn... At a certain time of year, uh, when the moon when the is moon in a certain is... position. Hey, man, that's that's very natural. Yeah, that's that's, that's very so, okay. So you got a vineyard that's in orange in Australia, right? It's so far inland. The moon controls the tides. There's no. I grew up in that way, man. There is no tide anywhere okay. fucking near when, that. When did your dad grow olives? Okay, okay, okay. I'm go- I'm gonna say. Oh, guys, biodynamic olives. When they're gonna fucking sell it. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in an olive farm for the audience. I'm, I'm, go on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna say because I met like uh, a champagne house director who is doing biodynamic, yep. and I have watched so many interviews about Burgundy winemakers biodynamic. And the most famous wine in the world, La Romaine de Conti, is biodynamic as yep, well. Yep. And I'm not full into like this very spiritual thing. Me? I don't. I don't believe in it. But I believe in the fact that uh, when you treat your land in a very specific way and incredibly yeah, respectful, 100%. there is something that brings your grape so much closer to what the soil has to give to you and that's kind of proven because okay, most you. of the best vineyards no, in the sure. world are biodynamic like Diego's holding you back to go to and, and like my no, favorite no, region wait. in the world is Champagne and Burgundy and all the best winemakers in Burgundy are biodynamic before you, exactly before you talk with us and our brands and again to bring it back to uh, Renault Picard is that we need to get sponsored to this episode, but yeah, I think <laughs> well, you technically, I'm a, I'm a you technically, I am, yeah, get rid of this shit. I'll give you some good, yeah, let's get rid of this. I'll send you a, <laughs> I can't I'll send it, you a case. <laughs> I, don't know, I can't, and it's bothering me. Yo, um, uh, it's I'm, I'm busting out some happy on it in a second. Bernard Ricard is going to sponsor us. Well, can you not look in front of you right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are basically sponsoring the episode. We are, yeah. Yeah. We're hey, drinking tonight. <laughs> you're walking home with a, a flat full of Mexico right there. <laughs> 1837. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it made, and it's across the road from Patron, is it not? Yeah. That made. Anyway, yeah. bring it back to that is like when we talk about Tawar, we talk about flavor, we talk Kalu about. Kalu is definitely not made Guadalajara, but keep going. All right, they first off, guys, rules. let's take a pause. Okay. For all y'all listeners, people need to properly learn how to open up a bottle of champagne. Okay. Six For the first step, is it six or five? Six. Actually, it's. Uh, wait, listen. So, it's my new, five and a half. 
There's a. I said five. Whip water for Yeah. According to Precious Rick, you're wrong, Bob. So. I just unleashed the cage, and now I am keeping the cage safe in my hand, and I'm gonna twist the bottom of the bottle slowly so that I keep control of it. And in the meantime, what I recommend you guys to do is take some of that water so that you kind of rinse your palate before you have this beautiful champagne. Is the healer okay? Or no, no, it's no, not okay. Uh, I, that's why that's why I put like this big glass of water so that you have a bit of it or you finish your drink before okay. and we're gonna open it slowly there you go this is very sexy equivalent to that in the real life terms is a silent fart you, it's like a silent fart it was something so beautiful and you turned no, it into something so not beautiful <laughs> I'm making it relatable to the listeners over here it's a silent fart By. I'm really excited for this. This champagne looks incredible. No, let's ju let's just keep our glasses because we have all beautiful glasses. I'll rinse this. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just finish them and rinse them with a bit oh, of with water, water, and it will be perfect. Thank but thanks. Little little live champagne tasting. So we're all just uh, rinsing our glasses out. But yeah, essentially, you want to open up a bottle of champagne like a salad for. One is, I get banana almost. It's I'm crazy. so Moon Four. It's it's, it's only it's exclusive to Dan Murphy's and BWS in Australia, and it's like only sold in France and Australia. So yeah, what I world. love about this one is like it's typically the style of Moon. It's like purely Pinot Noir, very like deep flavors of fruits like yellow peach. A lot of yeastiness because it's aged for four it's years, which hair. brings so much complexity. Yeah. And you get kind of this bready, almost brioche aromas from, and that's where you kind of, you need to kind of. Well, I think, I think the, sh the Chardonnay guys kind of bring it back with a bit of butter. It, the, the Chardonnay brings a bit of butter and, and a bit of like also acidity as well. Yeah. yeah and yeah. what I love is, um, also to kind of take the time to think that this bottle has been waiting for four years in the cellars. And uh, can, can I see the bottle, Ken, please? Mm -hmm. So this one was disgorged in 18, which means the leaves were released in 18, which means like the harvest was um, six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, so shit. when you think about it, I just love to think about all the time that went by and personally seven years ago um i was very far away from where i am today yeah. so i think it's pretty cool to kind of put that into perspective that's that's something that people need to understand mm. the time the time that goes into time. making the product the time. yeah correct it doesn't I mean, matter if it's champagne's at least minimum three year age. It doesn't matter if it's a wine. Yes, it doesn't matter if it's a wine, champagne, mezcal, tequila. Tequila, because it's, it's not because it's not barrel aged. People go, why it's so expensive? It's because tequila it takes seven but to third, nine years for yeah, an agave but, to mature. Sure. Also, with a wine, it's a paint that doesn't. It's not working. They're gonna get rid of that wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah if it doesn't taste good, it doesn't they'll, taste they'll good, throw it right? out. They'll throw it out. If there's a bad year, Leaders. they'll, they'll Leaders. throw it. Yeah. Can, oh, wow. Can something with uh, something happen with champagne? 
What do you mean? Oh, you get rid of a champagne. No, so yeah. when it's a bad year, yeah, they, they were you not. You blend it. You they, don't really. Think yeah, exactly. Dry. You yeah. will blend it with okay. different years to kind of keep consistency. All right. But if it's uh, if it's a good year, you're going to want to express that year. So you're also going to make a vintage only using the grapes from that year yeah. to kind of showcase how special it is because it's like great quality mm. and that's unique to champagne. There's basically no other reason. The past 21st century. Let's say our consumption. Yeah, what are the bad I'm 32. <laughs> yeah, no, our, yeah. Our, no, actually, that's a good question. No, what are no, the bad years? No, our, so, our age range is from 32 to 24. So yeah. if you want to know... the best, yeah. not, not, say, way, not saying what the I'm bad gonna, uh, years are. I'm going to pull up product plug. And, uh, gonna I thought this whole podcast was a product plug. We're going to drink some... Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Avion. Well, my tequila I brought wasn't good enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> You got a good clink of the microphone there. Yeah. Definitely no, but there, there was there was a good Diego, question though, which is like, what are the best? Yeah, what what are the vintages best you yeah. want to buy? Yeah. Um, hang on, we'll end this on a tequila break and what years of champagne to buy. Oh. Yeah. How good is that? So if you need to think about buying Honestly. like a good vintage of How champagne, like the very classic answer would be buy either two thousand two. 2008, those are like the two classic from the 21st or century. Yeah, or 96. But, Not the 21st century. But, but like, 02 and 08 are going to be always great, great vintages. 12 is going to be great, but it's not going to age as much as the two ones I've just said. Really? It's not going to age as well? It, it's still going to be amazing for yeah, 10 years, but not as long. Like, 02, you can keep so you it can for, that forever. for yeah. 20, 30 what, years. What yeah. Like, what's the price of um, O2 champagne? It depends on oh, which house, house oh, which house. vineyards, how long it has been aged on the lees. But 2002 I mean, La Lue from Mum costs 300 bucks. Yeah, but that's going to be different to a bottle 2002 Krug or a bottle 2002. Yeah, exactly. You know what? You know what? You'll spend $2,000 on a bottle You know what the equivalent that is to? It's drinking a bottle of 2010 Belle Epoque Rosé. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so in the end it's going to depend on how much you're willing to spend on the bottle but you can like that's the great thing about champagne is if you find a vintage of yeah. a brand you don't know that is a good vintage you're still probably going to have a great experience because it was a great like 08 and 02 were great vintages overall in the whole champagne area so it's going to be great grape qualities and um, yeah, um, thirteen is gonna be yeah. thirteen and oh seven great for Chardonnay mainly, and oh like eighteen two thousand eighteen, if you're patient enough, yeah, uh, is said to be an amazing harvest in terms of quantity and quality. So if you're patient enough, probably in four years, six years. Um, the vintages that will come out of it are going to be amazing. Awesome. All right, guys. I think... Trevor, a lot. Yeah, we we talked about champagne, uh, tequila, champagne, champagne like, but like, I, I, champagne has a lot of history. To, to be honest, I'm going to say something. I was planning to talk about something else, and we start talking about champagne, and we finish up talking about champagne, and I like it. Because it's something that... We normally I mean, I don't, love champagne. We, we normally don't talk. 
Because we're too well, poor like, to afford it, mate. That's true. <laughs> that's I'm fucking poor. They're all in hospitality. Yeah. 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 You know what I do? I watch people drink champagne and I live vicariously through. I'm like, ah. Oh, uh, we we have one day a week. We got um because at, at the moment the bars only open a couple of days a week. What's the cheapest? Mate, I'm drinking a shitty lager um, on here and I'm. No, ours, what, 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 are we doing, what are we doing? Mom, mom? I have no idea what the hell you no, do. No, but I'm like, talking it's about still, this it's right still. Now. Anyway. I'm the poor guy that's cheers in a lager. Like, we need to close this because we've been talking for, been like, for like two hours. Like, yeah. Two yeah. Hours so, we'll close it off. Like, look, the juxtapose of it all, Diego's invited us over for this podcast. I think not to develop, but like, we literally only scratched the surface. Yeah. Of like what there is to know about champagne. However, to recap it all and summarize it, we know the the heart and soul. Three grapes: Chardonnay, Pinot Meunier. We understand it comes from quiz for your boy here. But <laughs> relax. You. Um, but we've understand like there's just so much complexity to what we drink at the end of the day like <laughs> and it's the same complexity across every spirit platform yeah from tequila to gin to scotch to whiskey to ricea as a category to champagne and wine there's just so much complexity and like i yeah, think right. and we can all agree upon like the more to know is just the more to invest yourself and yeah drink it at yeah, the end of the day sure. you only know until you drink it for sure and the more you drink I know, and it's More like, enough. it's, but it's going to be the same for every spirit of, of wine. The more you want to learn about it and you're going to actually taste, the more you're going to understand why it's worth or why it's not worth. And it's going to be a great way for you to actually know how to spend your money because you're going to know better what you like. At the end of the day, go to Mexico, open up a natural <laughs> wine bar, and uh, as usual, Ken's, Ken's talking over me a bit. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. <laughs> people okay. talked over my people for a long Take time. Um, but at the end of the day, let's go to Mexico City, let's open up a natural wine bar. Socrates over here, Benetatos, will <laughs> provide us with the olives I need for my putanesca. Um, <laughs> Yeah, scratching the surface, um, you can never know too much about anything, especially alcohol, because you're drinking every day. You can never be too educated about something you're passionate about. Keep listening. This is a great podcast. Diego's a great Thank dude. you, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having us on. Thanks for having us, Diego. Is, I like this podcast. This is the variety. Like, this this guy, from Sydney, to Mexico, to Champagne, to on-prem, to off-prem, to bar manager, okay. to... We're literally looking at every end of the scope yep. of what we're dealing with the day-to-day day-to-day covid yep. pre-covid post-covid after COVID. but we've got every position here and it's interesting to hear our point of view because like i say it again to you guys and i'll say it all the time is like i really try as an on-premise account manager to remove myself as much far away as possible as a, a hospital person or an industry person i want to understand that comes consumption through the plain Jane. Like, what are they going to the bar for? Like, why do they drink what they drink? You know, what are my neighbors doing? You know? And I think when we open up this platform, it's like, there's your point of view, you're a rep, there's your point of view, you're a brand ambassador, there's my point of view. It's, it's amazing to see these point of views and like, let's hope at the end of the day, people go to a venue and just appreciate what people are trying to offer. 
Yeah. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you. See you. Arriba. 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 Al bajo. Al bajo. Al centro. Para dentro. Cheers, guys. Cheers. No one was making you shoot that.